This episode may contain content that is triggering to some audience members. Listener discretion is advised. This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week, I landed on Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas, as some people say. I like to be unique. <laughs> so, this is the story of Melissa Witt. Okay, I like the last name. Um, she does, uh, she would go by Missy. For the majority of this, I did refer to her as Melissa, though. Okay. I didn't feel like I was close, you know? Mm-hmm. I felt like Missy was like a... Friend name. Friend name. A nickname. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on December 1st, 1994, 19-year-old Melissa Witt was abducted from a bowling alley parking lot while headed inside to meet her mother. Oh. This eventually led to a six-week-long search for the missing teenager, which ended with the discovery of her body 50 minutes away from the location of her abduction. After 21 years of of searching for answers, her murder is still unsolved. Oh, my gosh. How scary is that? You're... Just trying to go have a night of fun right? with your mother. Right. It's crazy. So Melissa Witt was a popular college student. She was excelling in school and was even named an honor student. On the day of her abduction, she started her day with a slight argument with her mother about money. Uh, Her mom's name is Marianne. Melissa was short on cash and had asked to borrow some money from her mom. After she said no, she left the house. Melissa went to her job as a dental assistant. Mm. immediately following work at 5 p.m melissa returned to her 1995 mitsubishi mirage and attempted to start her car i had that that was my first car you had a mitsubishi mirage i had was my first car a 95 i don't know the year Mm. it was actually my sister's car and then she got a new car Mm. and then that was my first car that's usually how it works with siblings you get your Older siblings, hand-me-down car. I popped the radiator in that car. No, jeez. <laughs> Going too fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, her car, unfortunately, would not start. So she waited in her car with a friend until someone was able to give her a jump. Okay. Once the car started, she returned home to a note from her mother. The note said for Melissa to meet her mom at Bowling World for dinner. Melissa ditched her work uniform and changed into a V-neck top, jeans. She put on gold hoop earrings and a Mickey Mouse watch. She then headed to the bo- to Bowling World and arrived somewhere between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. Okay. So, not too late. No. I mean, December, it's, it's going to be dark by that yeah, point. It is going to be dark. And I feel like Arkansas, it's colder. I think so, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if they get a lot of snow. Yeah, but it's like the middle of the U.S., mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Kind of down south-ish. Oh, is it more south? Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't get... Maybe it's like on the level of Nevada. Right above Louisiana. Oh, that is warmer. Yeah. She parked in the northwest corner of the parking lot, but sadly, she never made it inside. Mm-hmm. Her car keys were then found in the parking lot and turned into the bowling alley around 7.45. 
This was an act of goodwill, but no one noticed the few splatters of blood that were on the keys. Oh, man. Melissa's mother, never seeing her daughter enter the bowling alley, returned home and was surprised to see that she was not there either. As time crept by, she began to get worried about the whereabouts of her daughter and began to call friends and family to see if they had seen or heard from Melissa. Midnight quickly came and she still had no idea where Melissa could be. At 3 a.m., she started driving up and down the streets to look for Melissa or her car. After all of her efforts to find her daughter, she reported her missing at 9 a.m. on Friday morning. A day had passed and Melissa's friends started passing out flyers, hoping that someone would come forward with any information. By the time they were finished, they had handed, they handed out 6,000 flyers. Oh my gosh. A few days had passed and detectives finally located her abandoned car in the parking lot of the bowling alley. <laughs> and what they found was definitely a cause for concern. Next to her car, they located a broken hair clip, a hoop earring, and a small trail of blood that led to a neighboring parking lot spot. Oh my gosh, that's such a horrible and sad crime scene. Mm -hmm. It really was. And they were even saying that they were kind of surprised that it was kind of like a, they described it as like a misty day. Mm -hmm. So like it was like mist, it was raining, but it was like more of like a mist. But the blood was still, like, on the... You could still see it in the parking lot, like, on the ground. Yeah. So they were. They said that they were... In that instance, they were fortunate enough to find the evidence before it was washed away. Well, and obviously there must have been a struggle if, like, there was an earring and... Yeah, they said that... Um, I mean, I'm not trying to get ahead of... In this no, 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 you're but... good. I don't... I didn't put this in here, but they did say that they believed that she was... Uh, hit in the back of the head. Oh. And that would, that's probably why she was bleeding. Okay. And why the hair clip was broken mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. While investigating, they discovered the bloodstained keys to her vehicle at the bowling alley. And two witnesses later came forward and said that they heard a woman screaming in the parking lot, but they were not able to provide a description of the abductors and there are no cameras in the parking lot. Mm. Christmas had come and passed as well as New Year's, and Melissa's friends and family still had no idea where she was. On January 13th, 1995, six weeks later, a group of hunters began their trek into the Ozark National Forest. As they arrived to the Turner Bend area of the trail, the men discovered the naked body of a young woman who would later be identified as 19-year-old Melissa Witt, and they were able to identify her through dental records. Yeah. Melissa's body was placed near a logging trail, and next to her head was a headstone-like rock. All of her clothing was missing from the crime scene, including her jeans, undergarments, purse, singular earring, mm -hmm. and watch. An autopsy confirmed that she was strangled to death and sexually assaulted. Mm. Investigators also noted that Melissa's body appeared to be moved from its original location, which obviously makes us think that the killer possibly returned to the body afterwards and moved the body um, to a more findable area, mm -hmm. which is common practice. Yeah. Typically, people who murder want the body to be found because they want... The recognition. Yeah. And that's like psychopathy, right? Like, right. You, they want that attention. They mm -hmm. want people to know what they did. But they, they don't, don't want to get caught. They don't want to get caught, but they want to be well 
They want their 15 minutes of fame, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. J.C. Ryder, the lead investigator of this case, reported that a day or so before the discovery of her body, the police had received a voicemail of what sounded like a young male and an older female who was urging the man to report what he had found. After a brief pause, the man is heard saying, I can't, and hung up. Oh. Which leads us to wonder if that if they were calling to report the body on the trail. Yeah. So there are two potential suspects. Okay. For this crime. And the first, his name is Larry Swearingen. Swearingen? Mm -hmm. His name first came up as a potential suspect in 1999 because he was arrested for the murder of a 19-year-old college student named Melissa Trotter in Texas. Goodness gracious. Where? Why do these men not get caught? It is so, I mean, I know why, but it's just so frustrating. Yeah, definitely. Uh, both victims were the same age. They were sexually assaulted and strangled to death, and both of their bodies were left in large national forests. Mm. Also, Larry was known to be in the area around the time of Melissa's murder. So he was in Kansas, or Kansas, or Kansas, I fucking <laughs> That's funny. I'm keeping that in there. <laughs> she, he was found in Arkansas um, t- around the same time as uh, Melissa's abduction. Okay. And the the first murder that he was arrest, arrested for, um, for Melissa Trotter, um, was in Texas, like I said. So you kind of definitely raise an eyebrow at the similarities between... I think it's also weird that they both have the same first... Uh, the same first name. Mm-hmm. That is weird. Uh, I couldn't find, or I didn't, oh, I didn't really look into it. I wonder if they were like the same height, hair, yeah, like all of that. If it's like the he has a type. MO. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Larry was given um, a death sentence and died by lethal injection on January 27th, 2009. Uh, I don't, believe that they i think they questioned him about it but he actually was retaining um his stance on or he was standing his ground on that he was innocent that he didn't kill melissa trotter so i don't i couldn't really find any information on how much they really investigated him for the murder yeah of um our melissa okay but I don't know. It's just interesting. And I, uh, there is a documentary that's coming out. Oh, go. Or if it's not already even out, it's called Uneven Ground, and it is all about Melissa Witt. So they are definitely working hard to keep this case alive, like oh. 21 years later. Um, our second suspect. Okay. Jump to him. Larry, we don't really have much information on. Mm-hmm. The second suspect, his name is Travis Dale Crouch. Travis is an Arkansas native and has a long track record with the prison system. He is currently serving time for the sexual assault of a woman that he had met in the parking lot of a local mall. So similar MO. Mm-hmm. Parking lots, apparently. Um, Travis was in the area at the time of Melissa's abduction. He is said to know the Ozark Forest area very well. And he was working at a church camp in the area at the time. 
Um, and he they even said that he attended the church camp as a child as well. So he knew like the yeah, Ozark yeah. Forest like area. And he lived mere miles away from the location of where her body was found. Oh. Travis was has to this day never given an alibi to the police uh, for the night of Melissa's disappearance and murder as well. So, so sketchy. Yeah, I uh, it's one of those things <clears throat> that I mean, there's always that chance that you can craft an alibi or you do have an alibi. I shouldn't say you craft innocent until proven guilty always. But when you can't, when you refuse to even like try to like give an alibi or like a background of where you were that day or. (laughs) I mean, there's two schools of thought, right? Because you can say it doesn't matter. I didn't do it. Like I don't need Mm -hmm. to have an alibi or you could really be the murderer or the suspect. And that's the reason you don't have it. Like who really knows? Yeah. And um, unfortunately, both of Melissa's parents are passed away now. And there is a really great um, team working on this case still to this day. The lead investigator, um, I mentioned his name earlier, J.C. Ryder, he recently retired. um, But he said that there isn't a day that goes by that he doesn't think about this case. And he, like, is constantly trying to, like, look at it from different angles and try to piece things together. Um, I think it's interesting that there were two witnesses yet. They weren't able to just like provide a description. Now in all the documentation that I read, it was kind of frustrating because it's some are saying that like they witnessed the abduction from like afar. And then others are saying that they, um, only heard a woman screaming in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Now, the second one is the one is the story that I've heard the most that they just heard somebody screaming in the parking lot. My question is, if you are hearing somebody screaming, why aren't you investigating this? Yeah, why aren't you running over? If I heard a woman screaming, yeah. I would literally try to find that. Figure out where it came from. Yeah. Well, and you can like differentiate like a playful scream mm-hmm. with like a I'm being abducted. Scream. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure she normally people would be like, let me go. What are you doing? Like, yeah. And that's, I don't know. That was just interesting. And then the, the fact that there was blood on the keys when they, when they turned them in. That was a little, I don't know, kind of made me raise my eyebrow a little bit too. But I guess if you just found them, you probably just pick them up. You're not like, in, you're not really looking at mm-hmm. them. You just pick them off the ground, hand them to the person, and then go. But then I also wonder, I actually just thought of this. Okay. Do we, was it, I wonder if it was ever confirmed if the blood was hers. Which I guess if if there was, if she did get hit in the head, so she was bleeding, so that's likely. But I'm thinking if she did fight back, she, I mean, she she might have been able to, like, fuck him up with some keys or something. I don't know. 
Who knows? I mean, if she did fight back, let's say that there's like skin underneath her fingernails. Mm -hmm. But how long was it until they found her body? I think they said 45 ish days, six weeks. So that it would have been cleaned out. And who knows yeah. how long the body was there? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking on the keys, though, like the keys itself. Yeah. But I mean, if she dropped the keys. Yeah. Like right away. Like if you get hit, you. I guess like think like you're you get out of your car you like turn the keys you probably turn around and then somebody hits you you probably do just drop everything that's mm -hmm. in your hands right yeah. away yeah fair craziness it was very sad that is a very sad story melissa witt um if you have any information regarding the murder of melissa witt please contact the tip line at 1-800-440-1922 or contact the Who Killed Missy Wit Facebook group directly. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast. My Village Productions. 